Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Rochelle. This podcast started as a space to really just share my journey, to share the experiences and the things that I was going through as I learned to self-regulate, as I learned to manage my emotions. And it has transformed into so much more. I am a 6'3 emotional manifesting generator in human design. And so this space is really just everything that I trial and error. It's everything, amazing guests coming to you, talking about their journey, their experiences with emotions, and really just take what resonates and leave what doesn't. We are all unique individuals. And so we all have different perspectives. We all have different viewpoints. And it's really coming to that space where you can trust yourself. And that's where I really, that is my mission. That is my goal. That is my purpose to empower you to trust yourself, to find that space, to ground in it, to come back to yourself over and over and over again because there's so much freedom and there is so much power and there is so much beauty in that. This journey can feel really isolating at times. It is beautiful. It is painful. It is joyful. It is love. It is all of the things and we are all of the things all at once. And so just have grace with yourself, have compassion with yourself through this. And I am so grateful that you are listening to this episode wherever you are listening. Thank you for allowing me into your day. Welcome back to another week, another episode on the podcast. This one was so good. This week, I speak to Shireen Youssef, who is a human performance coach. And this is one of those episodes that I recorded and immediately have been looking forward to releasing. We talk about a lot. We talk about politics. We talk about religion. We talk about parenting. We talk about, of course, cold exposure. We talk about so much much. And even like editing this episode, there were a few moments where I felt myself just full of gratitude, appreciation, where I got emotional. I mean, it was just, it was just such a beautiful conversation. We talk a lot about, you know, being able to sit with somebody and hold space for their truth, even if it's not something that we agree with. Because a lot of that is is lacking in the world where there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of um, just being stuck in in our ways. And so we really, really kind of, we have a big conversation about that in this episode. Shireen practices um, the Wim Hof method, Boutico and Oxygen Advantage. I might've pronounced the second one incorrectly, but she essentially helps people just come into their body in such a beautiful way Um, You know, we talk about flow state and when I'm running, this is where I often find it where I'm running and it's like you can't think about anything but your physical body, right? Putting one foot in front of the other. It's like I'm not worried about what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm not worried about what happened yesterday. I'm not worried about what's going to happen after my run, right? I'm worried. I'm literally my mind is on is on getting through the next minute, is on putting one foot in front of the other. It's on my breathing. It's on all these sort of physical body things. And it's such a beautiful thing when you can get yourself into your body in that way. And after we recorded this, I did do cold showers for probably two or three weeks. Um, Again, this conversation is reminding me to get back to it. But, you know, really, truly, it is uncomfortable. It is yeah, it's uncomfortable. Like when I get in the shower, I want to take a warm shower, right? But yet there's so many benefits of cold exposure. And so when I was doing it, it was, you know, my whole body was tense and it's like, whoo, all right, I'm just going to do this. Oh my gosh, it's going to be miserable, right? It's sort of like where you think in the beginning. And then I got to a point where I was just like, okay, 
I get to do this, right? I'm choosing to do this. And so let me go in, not with this tense, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. Like, "Ah, I'm just going to count to 30 seconds because I was doing it. I was starting with 30 seconds of cold water and I was ending with 30 seconds of cold water. And, you know, in this episode, Shireen talks about what she recommends. And as I restart this, um, I'm going to do her recommendation starting it off there. I'm definitely an all or nothing type of person. Um, 6'3", emotional manifesting generator over here. It's just like I launch like headfirst into things. I experiment. And so that is part of what I absolutely love about this podcast because I get to meet people and hear their tools and and experience their modalities and try them out on myself, right? Um, as part of the process is like, I'm learning these things with you. And then I get to experiment with them and see what works and leave what doesn't, right? Like that's what I say in the intro. And yeah, the, that that is my intention is to have something for everyone. And s- these tools are so powerful, so powerful. And with any tool, anything. It is consistency. It is showing up for yourself. It is commitment. And when you can do that for yourself on a daily basis, even when you don't want to, right? Like it took years for meditation to actually be a daily practice of mine. Um, You know, over this past weekend, I didn't meditate Friday or Saturday. I'm going to after this tonight, even though it's late and I want to go to bed, I'm still going to do my five minute meditation, but I didn't the last two nights. And which is fine because we have to have compassion with ourselves and and trust our body and what our body needs. And but also within that, I have been on such a deeply spiritual journey lately. I'm always on a spiritual journey, but it's been the energy of my experiences lately have been very different that I am in something that Shireen talks about and we, we talk about in this episode whether you're on a spiritual journey, whether you're religious, whatever you resonate with when it comes to God or anything like that, are you bringing it into your everyday? Or are you just bringing it into your meditation? Are you just bringing it to church on Sunday? And when you walk with it every single day, and when you walk with it in in every single moment, and you're coming back to it, and you're practicing, and you're realigning yourself, and you're coming from a space of love, and you're and you're reflecting in every moment, and you're discerning what your body's feeling, and your emotions, and your intuition, all these things, um, it's like, you're in meditation. You're in the flow state constantly. And so having that set space for meditation isn't less important because it is very important to come to a space where it's just you and God, source, universe, whatever terminology you want to use for it. But because you're doing it in your walking state, it's not as, I don't even know what word I'm looking for to describe what I'm getting at, but because I'm walking with it more and more in my daily waking hours, the sitting in meditation, I'm not so much depending on that for my connection. So this past week, I have been exhausted, like beyond exhausted, so tired for many reasons. Saturn is moving into Pisces on Tuesday. So by the time this episode will have gone out, it'll already have happened, which is a huge transit that's happening in the Mar- in the month of March. You know, Saturn is boundaries, it's structure, it's the judge, it's karma. And Pisces is fluid. It's water, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's deep. And so when you have these two energies coming together, you know, I have been meditating on the planets and, and all these things. And I see this as 
sort of a softer energy for Saturn. I see Saturn having like more compassion for it, but you have the boundaries and the boundaryless, right? You have the structure and the fluidity. And so it's bringing up these things, right? It's going to be bringing up like elements of fear. It's going to be bringing up all these, all these elements of both of them. And so it's going to bring up things that we are not facing to face. We are going to have to move through these things. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds. And I've just, like I said, I've just been feeling really tired, kind of like moving into this energy. I've also been experimenting with the Healy that I got and running frequencies on myself. And there's a detox process within that. So I've been tired and thirsty and all these things as my energy sort of, you know, is detoxing and and recalibrating and all those things. And so I've been really gentle with myself over the past um, week or so, just like listening to what my body needs, um, what it wants. And within all of that too, as I've been so tired and all these other things, I've also felt so lit up and so excited and so able to like shift my perspective. I shared a reel, I think today or where I'm scheduling it. No, I think I shared it today. <laughs> I recorded it. But, you know, I had a moment where I was watching um, what I would consider a mentor of mine and I felt like envious. I saw what she was doing and all the organization and it's I have in my chart, if you are familiar with astrology terms, if not, long story short, I I have a T-square, and so I have Pisces, Gemini, and Sag energy, and the one energy that I need to like kind of complete that is Virgo. So I'm always sort of like envious of that Virgo energy. It's like I want to be organized, but I also find resistance to it. I have a lot of shadows around that. I also have Mars and Capricorn, which is sort of like hurry up and, and, and hurry up and get there, but like I want the organization. I want the structure. I want all the things, but I don't want to do it to get there. So I was just like watching the organization and where they're at in their business. And I felt like envious. And I was like, I had that quick moment where it sort of defeated me. And I went in the victim mindset of like, oh, why can't I get that? Or what am I doing wrong? Or I just can't take those actions and those steps. And then real quick, I was like, no, like this is showing me my potential. This is showing me what is possible for me. And I was able to lean into that energy and hold the space for that in my body and be like, no, this is not a restriction. There is space for all of us, right? Like just because she has that, it is showing me what's possible, right? And it is like taking action. And for a long time, I honestly was scared to take action. (coughs) Like even with the membership, I've tried to create membership spaces before and there was a part of me that sort of like self-sabotaged it, right? Where I wouldn't show up if I didn't have anybody in it yet, I would just stop talking about it and I would stop showing up and I wouldn't post any content because I was like, well, there's no one in there, right? And so this time around, I'm like, no, I'm going to show up within the space, whether there's anyone there or not, right? And then when I got people that were paying me for the membership space, then I had another moment of that fearful, like, ah, can I do this? And then I was like, yes, like, so it is taking those actions. It is taking those steps. It is reframing in really powerful ways that move us forward. So I am just so excited for this episode. This this one is really special to me. This one um, was just so beautiful. And I'm really excited for you to listen to this um, from Shireen. So share with a friend if this episode resonates. All the ways that you can find her are linked down and below. Um, Instagram website and her email. You can send her an email if you want to work with her. 
And um, the HD Decoded membership space is open. The link for that is down in the show notes. Um, So we have monthly themes, monthly calls. I am starting a little Healy thread in there. So if you are in the membership and you want to get frequency sent to you, um, I plan on doing it before our live calls so everyone can kind of have a little blast of energy to sort of lift them up. And then probably like once or twice twice throughout the month, I am also offering a service for the Healy alone. It is um, just like a monthly service where we get like we have a 15 minute call. Well, it's a 45 minute call once a month. 15 minutes of that is going to be setting intention and running frequencies on that. And then those I'm going to be blasting to you daily throughout the month. And then 30 minutes of that is going to be human design, like sort of mini session where we're going to go through anything that's coming up for you and you want to dig into in your chart and then figuring out which chakra needs the most love and then also get sending you frequencies for that. So it's going to be distance healing essentially. Um, But all of that information I'm going to link in the show notes. I just literally just launched it today. It's Sunday. I just put it out there today. Um, You can do the HD attached program, which is a 12 week program where we dive into human design attachment theory. We rewire your subconscious one-on-one sessions. I mean, it's all in the show notes, Uh, mastery Monday newsletter, Everything you need is down there. If this episode resonates, uh, yeah, share it with a friend. And I am so grateful for every single one of you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Rochelle.Christian, same as uh, same on TikTok, and that is at Rochelle, R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E dot Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-E. Website is RochelleChristian.com. And just clink below, clink below, click below, and it'll take you wherever you want to go. Thank you. Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. Today, I have Shireen Youssef, who is a human performance coach. And it's really interesting. Um, listeners who maybe don't know, I do bartend during the day. Um, and I met Shireen at the place that I work. And it's just like always like divine you know, timing and synchronicities. And you actually have my daughter's birthday, right? Which is like how we were initially connected. And then we just started talking about breath work and Wim Hof and everything that you do. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. Um, and asked you to come on the podcast and you agreed. So here we are. So I'm really excited to dive into all of this with you. Um, and I always just start like uh, having you introduce yourself um, and as much or as little as you would like about your story, anything kind of like pivotal, pivotal along the way that's kind of gotten you to where you are now doing what you're doing. Oh, excellent. Okay, so a lot has happened since I met you as well. So, um, so I'm I'm American now. I just became American last year. I grew up in the Middle East. Um, I'm Indian originally. My mother is, uh, her family is from Singapore, and so growing up, I was on the eastern side of the world quite a bit. Um, at in my mid twenties was when I first came to the West, uh, and I've been in the Western hemisphere almost the um, for the last um, 15, 15, 16 years, because I spent some time in Africa as well. So um, I grew up a tennis player. Uh, that was my main sport growing up. And I ended up going into marathons and then ultra marathons and then Ironmans, and then started doing uh, something called through hiking, which is basically you take five or six days of hiking and do it in a couple of like 11 or 12 hours. Um, and then I went into the field of mountaineering. Uh, and that was really the first moment where I started realizing I was very uncomfortable with the cold. I was also, um, I didn't like the fact that I had to take Dymox uh, when I was going higher. Um, so for those of you all who are not aware what Dymox is, Dymox is a high altitude pill. When you start crossing 14 and 15,000 feet, you actually take it to reduce the probability of lung edema or cerebral edema. 
but it has its own uh, side effects, which I just didn't want to take any pill to climb mountains, you know. And so uh, that was really the moment where I kind of encountered Wim Hof Method, walked into it. And of course, there was a lot more in addition to the cold and the the lack of, you know, the not wanting to have that medication. In addition to that, there was some other things going on as well. That's one path of my life. And then the other path is um, my education and my profession. So I uh, studied aerospace engineering, got into petroleum engineering, uh, was in uh, oil and gas for 16 years. Uh, last year, I made the transition, uh, moved from the private sector into the public sector. And so now uh, I'm studying public policy. I'm uh, wanting to become a public, diplo- uh, in go into public diplomacy. So that's kind of like this huge professional change that I had. So that's the second path. And then the third one is my spiritual journey. Um, and so I grew up Muslim. I was uh, Muslim uh, till I would say my early teens. And then I would say slowly but surely, uh, I kind of started realizing religion is the source of a lot of conflict. And uh, I started having a lot of issues with it. Became an atheist for many, many years. I would say the longest period of my life was actually atheist slash agnostic, because towards the end, I think I was beginning to realize there was something more um, uh, Just you know, there was definitely a higher power that I started becoming aware of and then uh, came back into Islam. So I became a devout Muslim for two years. I followed a, um, a path called Sufism. So it's the mystical side of Islam. And then from there, I got my call to follow Christ in 2020 and I got baptized Catholic last year. So uh these are the three <laughs> main paths, I would say, and almost everything in my life has kind of uh, been around one of these paths. Yeah, that's amazing. And we also have so many parallels, you and I. I also grew up in the Middle East. I grew up in Dubai. Oh, I was wow. there for 13 years. Yeah. And so I moved to the States eight years ago. So I've only been here for eight years. I mean, I was born here, but I grew up in, I mean, I went to, moved in Canada, Dubai, Italy, Spain. I've kind of like been around and then I came here in uh, 2014. So this is the longest I've been in America. <laughs> It's amazing. Okay. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I had read that you were in Oman, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. So, and I, and as far as like the spiritual path, I resonate with that a lot because I grew up Catholic and I, you know, I think when I became 16, it was kind of, you know, my dad was like, you know, I did all the things that you were supposed to do as a Catholic. Um, and at 16, my dad was basically like, he's like, you can continue to go to church with me or, you know, you're old enough. Now you make your own decision. And I never went back. And I think for me, it was, maybe in like the reversal, right. Where it's just kind of like that, that organized religion to me at a young age being so like strict, I felt so much shame, right. Mm. In the church. And I, you know, growing up in the middle East, I was witnessing all sorts of religions around me. Right. And I felt more called to maybe like Hinduism or something that was more like spiritually inclined, right. Understanding that spiritual base and, you know, my spiritual journey has been ever evolving and I don't necessarily call myself anything now, but I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Buddha. Like I believe in every, I think, you know, all of it is one and, and rereading the Bible, you know, being older or like seeing spiritual texts or things like that. It just hits in such a different and powerful way now that I've come to understand spirituality. Excellent. Um, and I think it's, it's yeah, I think it's beautiful. It's, um, and I, I just, you know, being able to see so many different, you know, and for you going from Islam to maybe atheism and then back and then Catholicism, right. You've kind of witnessed a few different, um, variations, I guess, or, or versions. Yeah, maybe, it's interesting. You uh, you mentioned Buddhism and Hinduism because, you know, I, um, <clears throat> I lived in, uh, the middle East 
for the first decade of or so of our, for of my life the next decade was actually mostly in india mm-hmm. and in india i became very very um exposed to hinduism and buddhism in fact two of my closest friends one's buddhist and one's hindu um because of them uh, i've just basically had this exposure to hinduism and buddhism and i have to say like i said you know it's really interesting how when i first came to the us and i'd seen how large uh, of a movement yoga had become here that was really interesting to me for me it was um i i i almost felt like there were more people doing yoga here than back in india at least in my circle of friends almost all my friends today do yoga which was not the case back in india you know so it was almost kind of like it made me realize like um it's so easy to honor you know grass is always greener on the other side you know and growing up where i came from the christians were the cool people mm. you know they were the ones who were laid back they were just always kind of like don't worry about it you know they'll always be away and they were always uh, in the know and they were just the cool people you know i even remember in college there was a guy um uh, a, a very good friend of mine who again was christian from goa and he was just so laid back he was so cool you know so and then i come here and christianity has this completely other other side to it um and it just made me remember what islam and hinduism was like back at home where there were a lot there was a lot of fighting and in india there was a lot of uh, trauma associated with these fights between the hindus and the muslims you know so it just made me realize that you know no matter where you are in the world there's always going to be trauma associated with what you grew up in mm-hmm. and then being able to honor your path and recognizing that yeah the grass is sometimes greener on the other side but when you actually go full fledgedly into it it might not be very different from what you grew up in it's just that your mentality or the state of mind you're in you're in a different place today and so you have more compassion you have more patience compared to when you were a child where you didn't know as much you know mhm well yeah and i think in ch- in childhood we're taking on what we're told right we don't have right. the mindset or the men- the maturity to be able to understand at a deeper level to come to our own conclusions right like i think now viewing you know catholicism or religion in general it's like i feel like i can separate myself a bit from what i'm told and and then be able to see it from that higher lens right and so then it's like taking that on and then coming back to it because like you said yeah i mean yeah, as a child and, and when we're viewing things it's very you different you have to remember um a big part of i think a lot of people's aversion to religion is the fact that they were told to be a certain way mm-hmm. you know and by the way that's like learning 101 <laughs> you mm-hmm. know if you tell someone to be a certain way they're just going to be they don't want to do it you know it's just it's um it's just human nature and unfortunately a lot of us grew up around people society family friends that would basically tell you what to do but they weren't walking the walk you know so yeah. in your mind you're thinking well if i'm going to do what you're telling me to do and i'm going to end up like you i don't want to be like you you know there what there's no incentive there i don't i mean you're telling me to go to church and you're telling me to go to the mosque meanwhile you're angry all the time and you're having affairs with other people mm. i mean that's not that's not the kind of life i want to live right so you start associating religion with the way people behave and mm. then it becomes an extension of it and so you don't want to have anything to do with what those people are doing including follow the religion they are following right yeah so 
I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. But yeah, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Cause I would sit in church and I would watch people come in every single Sunday, but then the Monday through Saturday, they're living life, you know, however they want. And it's like, you're yeah. not bringing God into your every day, but yet you come one yeah. day a week and you think that that makes you godly. Right. Exactly. And I think that, I think you have yeah. to walk with it day to day you and know, whatever. Like, yeah. Sorry. So I was going to say, I can take this topic that we're talking about and put it across every single line. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about being an American too. I have a lot of American friends around me who started voting after I became American, mm-hmm. right? So they didn't even have any respect for, you know, like I would look at them and I'm like, the right. why wouldn't you make use of it? You know, you have the ability to choose in your country. And they would look at me and they would say, Shireen, uh, I feel like, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting patriotic looking at you. Mm-hmm. Right. So it again, it's the same thing because I wasn't born here. I wasn't raised here. I came to America. America's given me so many things that my birth country and the country of my nationality before America didn't give me. So I have a certain sense of loyalty towards this nation that others don't feel right because mm-hmm. they grew up around it. They just had this all these things that they grew up with. And so lo and behold, up comes a girl who just became Catholic last year or just became American last year. And I see things in a different way that They've never seen it. So in a way, I understand the affinity towards the Eastern ways here. I understand it because it is new. It is something that they weren't born with. It is something that their parents didn't know, you know. And so they are getting to explore these avenues on their own accord, in their own time. And they get to decide, do I like this or do I not like this? And then do I want to go into this or do I not want to go into this, right? So it's really, I mean, you know, you mentioned like again, education is another area that I'm very passionate about, right? Mm-hmm. Our children, like, you know, talking about breath, I teach all age groups. A lot of children come to me to learn breath. And a lot of these children are diagnosed in fourth grade with anxiety, with, with anger issues, with uh, some of them came to me and said that now there is something, there is something called uh, an ADHD patch, you know, where you put a patch on your, your, and you are able to combat ADHD. And I'm thinking, what is going on? You know, it's this makes no sense to me. Like, why are we telling these kids what they need to do and how they need to behave? And, you know, there's somebody who has come up with a, a way to go about it. And now suddenly children have to do it. Right. So it is on so many levels, you know, because I'm Christian, I'm going to say something that's in the gospel. And Jesus says, bring the children to me. You know, he didn't say force the children to come to me. Right. He didn't say, make sure that you shove, uh, shove me down every single child's throat. Right. He just said, bring the children to me. And as children, I've seen they gravitate to what they know. They feel love and they gravitate towards it naturally. They gravitate towards the cold naturally. I have a harder time getting adults to go into the cold than I do with children. Mm-hmm. Children just gravitate towards it. Right. Yeah. These are these are topics I'm very passionate about. Yeah. No, but even talk about that. Like, yeah, last year when it like was icing and snowing and all that stuff here, all my kids want to do is be outside. And I'm in here like, guys, it's so cold. What do you what do you want to be out there for? There you go. They spent the whole day until it got way too cold, you know, and their fingers are starting to like, you know, and they had to come in and get warm again. But yeah, no hesitations. They just loved it. I'm like having to bundle up and like covering my face. (laughs) Things like that. But that's really interesting. I would be curious when you, you know, talking about, and I completely understand going back to what you were originally saying, like I'm an American. I grew up overseas. I never voted until 2016 elections. I 100% admit that I grew up, you know, internationally. So I was kind of like, 
it doesn't affect me. I'm just going to be over here. I don't live in the States, da, da, da. Um, but I've come to realize, you know, as I've spoken to more people and specifically being in America with people who are not American, but want to be American. Right. So I, I, it allows me to appreciate being American in a way that I never really perceived before, because if I wasn't American, I wouldn't have been able to travel the way that I did. Right. You'd have mm. to go through more loopholes. I wouldn't be able I just, mm. there is a lot more to it, I guess, than I ever appreciated because I didn't grow up here. I didn't see it. I was just kind of like, you know, but I had that life a lot in part because of where mm-hmm. I was from, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've come to kind of, I'm learning to appreciate it more, you know, like being from here. Um, yeah. And now I've been here for eight years and I, you know, my kids, my daughter's 12, so I don't see myself going anywhere for a while. And just kind of like, I don't know, re reintegrating or just, I, I, th- yeah. I feel like I'm seeing life in a different way, you know, sure, in the last few sure. years. So part sure. of that is part of it. You know, I, I was so resistant to being American for a long time. So, you know, a lot of, us, you know, since you have a daughter and it's beautiful. Um, do you only have one daughter or how many children? Um, and I have a daughter and a son. My son is six. Okay. Mm-hmm. So being a mother is a, it's, I consider it one of the most amazing things a woman, which I'm not a mother, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really honoring you as a mother. Uh, I feel like I am a spiritual mother, you know, mm-hmm. whoever I meet, I feel very motherly towards but I think it's such a gift when you get to be a mother and you get to mold a child's life. And a child, it's not about what you're saying. It's about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I've seen this over and over and over. And I can go back into my own life and see all the things I picked up were not the things my parents told me. It was the things I saw. And so children are sponges, right? They just they just literally take in. And so one of the things that I have picked up on after being here in the U.S. is um, and by the way, there are many studies on it too, is this phenomenon of where we tend to want to be around people who look and think exactly like us, right? So you're being so open and you're op- like, you know, you, you know, we had this encounter, you start talking. There are a lot of things in my life that are similar with you, but there were a lot of things in my life that are not similar, mm-hmm. with you, right? And you were able to look beyond the dissimilarities and say, you know, you're somebody I would love to bring on to my podcast, right? And this is actually what our world is lacking today, is the ability for us to look beyond the dissimilarities and actually see the similarities. And this is where, tying it back to breath again, the easiest way to see a similarity between two people is that we are both breathing. Mm -hmm. We both have lungs. We both have a heart. We both have a nose. We both have eyes. And so like, even as basic as that, even teaching children, to be able to recognize the similarities. Most kids don't even know what a color difference looks like till the age of three or four. You know, they don't, I still remember my, a very close friend of mine, she's black. And she told me that she would bring children home that were from all races and everything. And for her, they all looked exactly like her. There was Mm -hmm. no difference. And Mm -hmm. she's actually right. Right. Because they all had two eyes. They all had a mouth. They all had ears. And it's us as adults that make them aware of the differences. Right. So I, till this day, because I always say I'm not childish, I'm not childish. I'm childlike. Mm. There's a difference. Right. Till this day. So like this year, at the beginning of the year, I noticed that my closest friend circle were all Catholics. Every single one. Right. Of course. I mean, I just became Catholic last year. I went into it full, you know, headlines. Like I just basically went into it completely. And of course, the people I'm hanging around with are Catholics. You know, I wouldn't expect any different. But I made a conscious effort to go out and now I have a friend who's not like my closest friends are not Catholics, right? I have a very, very 
like a set of friends now that I have Protestants, I have Jews, I have atheists, I have all of these people. I have people who love Jesus but don't follow any religion. I have people who follow Buddhism. I have people who follow Hinduism. And in my mind, if I am not able to be around these people and love them and know that they know I love them, then I am not following the basic commandments of Christianity, which is love one another as he loved us, as Jesus loved me, right? Which is the first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love, the second one is love your neighbor as he loved you, right? So if I'm not able to be around people who are not like me, who are from different races, who think politically different from me, because I, I think I mentioned this, that I'm going into the government side now, I am doing public policy. So the more and more I'm having discussions on politics and you know, are you center right? Are you center left? Are you right? Are you left? All of these things. Are you libertarian? Are you authoritarian? Like these are very normal conversations today. And it is very important for me that I'm not around people like me, right? Because if I am consistently around people like myself, then you just become extreme, right? There mm -hmm. is nobody who's there kind of saying, Shane, why are you thinking like that? You know, have you thought of it this way? And that makes me become more neutral as a person, makes me more loving to more people around me. Right? Yeah. So truly, I think it all begins with breath. Mm. I really do. You know, when you start becoming more engaged with your breath, you're able to have an, you know, kind of going back to how we even connected is really emotional management and emotional mastery, right? Because when I'm able to understand how I'm breathing, through that, I'm able to understand what is happening within my body. Am I going into fight or flight? Am I relaxed? Am I even in a place where I can sleep? Am I in a place that I can actually connect with my significant other? Just through my breath, I become so aware of the state of being I am in in that moment, including am I in the state to pray, right? Because I like openly say there are a lot of people who come to church because it's a tick in the box, mm -hmm. right? I, as a Catholic, have to go to church every Sunday. But really, are you there with God? Are you really praying? Are you really sitting there and not just giving him an entire wish list of all the things you want to get done? Or are you really there to commune with him? To just say, I am here. I came here to get to know you better. Right? So, like, I mean, this is what I mean when I say we all grew up around religious people who followed religion that way. We mm -hmm. all have been around it. And that's why I can very openly talk about it because I was an atheist for 20 years for that reason. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, <laughs> no, no, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And to your point earlier, so my son is biracial and he never noticed the difference between his father and I, or even him and I, until he was about four years old. Like we wow. like, you know, because then at school they start teaching them. They do about the different colors in the crayon box and how, you know, and then they show different pictures and things. Then he would come home and like the very first time it ever came up something about skin color for me, the difference between he and I all he saw was the tattoos. He goes, well, you have tattoos. You know, wow. there is no difference. Beautiful. And exactly. I thought it was so beautiful. And I always urge my kids. I'm like, ask questions, you know, don't take everything for just face value. Like, even if it's me, like, yeah, I'm going to tell you to do things, but respectfully ask questions. You know, you don't yeah. have to just like take it. And, you know, I try and read, I mean, I read books on Buddhism, on Hinduism, on Judaism, on yoga philosophy, on Islam, because Exactly like what you said. I feel like there's 
you know, even when you look at politics in America, I feel like the thing is everyone's arguing, nobody listens. You have one side that has one view, one side that has one view, and it really doesn't matter if they're fighting for the same thing. It's the fact that it's the other person. You know, they just want to like stop each other. So you hit the nail on the head. I think there was a point where, you know, we like, okay, in America, we have freedom of speech, right? And you living in Dubai, you absolutely know the value of freedom of speech, Mm -hmm. right? And I think freedom of speech now in the US has become the right to say whatever you want, right? And that's not what freedom of speech is. Freedom of speech is the ability for me to basically say, talk to you while consistently recognizing that I have to respect you and treat you with dignity, I have the ability to say, I don't agree with what you're saying. And this is why. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think the part of treating people with uh, dignity and respect has gone out of the window. Okay, The ability for us to talk to each other in a respectful ma- manner has gone out of the window. Freedom of speech has essentially become say what you want, fling words if you want, and social media has actually allowed us to get a platform. Now, by the way, I want you to know, I am not against social media at all, okay? Why? Because I've lived in 14 different countries and I'm very grateful for social media Mm -hmm. that I'm able to still connect with my friends from all of these countries, right? So I am not against social media at all. But when we start using social media as a way to fling words at each other and call each other names and basically... Find a way, because I don't have the guts to come to you and talk to you in person and tell you why I disagree with you, but instead share something that you've shared, which I disagree with, and share with a bunch of people who think like me and get all of us to laugh at you. That's what social media has been used for as well. Mm. And I don't agree with it being used as a platform. This is not freedom of speech. This is just not knowing how to treat each other with human dignity and respect, Mm -hmm. right? So there is a big uh, issue today, I think. Like when I'm going into discussions with people, you know, and and the other thing, you know, like, you know, make America great again. What are you trying to say? America is not great. Like I am a classic example of the American dream. I came here as an Indian, born and raised in Oman with absolutely no awareness of how to fill gas into my car. Okay. That was who I used to be. I never traveled alone anywhere. I never went out of my house at 6 p- uh, after 6 p.m., Right. And I become this woman today that I get to go. I went to Stan. I was in Stanford last week. Right. I'm able to attend courses. I'm able to work in Harris County, my local government in my state. Right. I got citizenship here. I'm able to be a person that my own country could not offer me these these kind of things. Right. So this is why I love America so much. I put in the work and depending on the amount of work I've put in. They have been able to give me opportunities. Now, am I saying to you that I'm not a minority? Of course, I'm a minority. Are you telling me I've not been in situations where I worked offshore on rigs and my lingerie got stolen? Yes, my lingerie has gotten stolen on rigs, right? Yes, I have, I've been on offshore rigs where men were watching porn next to me. Yes, I've had to live this life, right? So I'm not saying it was all roses and knights, on, knights in shining armors. No, I've had to go through things in my life where I, I want a world where no woman has to go through that. Right. But at some point, you have to put your head down and recognize I have to do the work. I have to continue to do it because the reality is there is something larger than me that I'm doing this for, whether it is the next generation that is coming into this world, whether it is for my parents, whether it is for God. When we have something that is larger than ourselves that we're working towards, then our abilities become supernatural. 
right? Then we have that drive that we have to go. Unfortunately, today, a lot of us are going into this victim mentality, right? Look what happened to me. Look where I landed. Look what I've been able to do. I mean, I'm telling you right now, Rochelle, you doing this podcast, just this, there are many countries I know you couldn't even do this, right? And so Mm -hmm. that is what I mean. When we have freedom of speech, this is how we use it. When we have freedom of speech, we're able to outline, but in a respectful manner, in a way that we're not condemning each other, not bringing each other down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, the energy that you bring to anything, whether it's social media or just like your everyday life or interactions with people, you know, if you're coming from like a space of love, right. And respect and understanding, I don't have to agree with what you say, but I can listen and respect that. That's your opinion. You know what I mean? And hundred percent. And I do feel like for me, I know, you know, and I, I hope that I can give my kids this opportunity because I feel like traveling the world and meeting people who do not look like you, who do not believe in the same things as you, right? Finding your way through cultures and countries and places that you've never been. And I think that that is more powerful than any textbook that you can read. Just being able to go and experience people, right? Because then it kind of gives you like, and you know, like you said before, like, yes, we all breathe. And I've always felt that way. We're like, we're all just people, you know, it doesn't matter where you go and in the worst place in the world or the best place in the world, everybody wants to be accepted, seen and loved. It doesn't yeah. matter, yeah. you know, and I think, yeah, it's just. Yeah. And, you know, another thing, which again, you know, you do beautifully is finding common ground. You know, a lot of us don't have the patience for that anymore. Mm. It's you say one thing that is not on in line with what I think suddenly, uh, you know, you're, you're in the opposing party now. I'm not even talking about politics. I'm just talking about anything, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, sometimes I look at my life and I wonder why. I had as many experiences as I had in a way that is why I am the person I am today. Right. But when I look back, I was always like, did I really need to have that experience? You know, could I have lived fine without that? You know, but really right now I meet people who are experiencing those things right now. And guess what? I have something to relate with them about. Right. So in a way, a curse of mine became the greatest blessing. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it is, you know, I, I, one of the two things I will say, the two things that I have not gone through that I cannot sit and tell somebody I know exactly how it feels is I've not had an abortion and I have not uh, been addicted to drugs and alcohol. These are the two things that I would say that I've not actually experienced in my life. Right. But I will say that I have experienced a lot of other things in my life. And I think when you have trauma and you feel unworthy and you feel shame and you feel guilt all of us in some form or fashion have had experiences where we've had to go through that. We've had to go through shame. We've had to go through guilt. And a lot of us deal with it differently. How did I deal with it? I left home at 15, right? I know I decided I don't want to go back. Now, yes, I have a beautiful relationship with my family today and I love them very much. But there was a time in my life that I didn't want to have anything to do with them, right? And then at some point when I grew much older, I realized running away won't fix it right? Leaving what you thought was not okay will not fix it because that will come back into your life again and again and again. Like I joke about and I say, really marriage works out when you decide who you want to deal with all of your problems with. That's when marriage works out, Mm. right? And it doesn't like there are many people who say, of course, yes, there are certain situations where you have physical abuse and things like that, where yes, absolutely, that's detrimental to your health and wellness. But almost everybody who I've met who have had multiple marriages, I've been married twice. I've been married twice, you know. I'm very grateful 
Yeah, I'm very grateful that my second time I was at least able to leave my spouse on a on a good on in a good term. I can still text him. I can still ask him how he's doing, and I'm coming. He knows I'm coming from a place of concern of being a friend than you know trying to figure out a way to poke this person, right? So was I able to do it in my first relationship? Not really, but luckily I was able to go back and say. You know, I'm sorry we didn't part on better terms and now we are in a better place, right? So we all have that ability. We all have. And by the way, all of this has happened to me after I've become a Christian, right? So Christianity has taught me to be more forgiving, to be more loving, to be more compassionate. And I'm not saying I wasn't a loving person. Anybody who knew me before Christianity has known me as a loving and compassionate person. But after becoming Christian, I've become even more forgiving, even more loving. Like now I won't even go back to mass unless I am 100% sure I have forgiven everybody that I held some resentment towards, right? Which I didn't have all of these rules for myself before, right? So we get to, as human beings, we have free will. We get to decide the person we want to become. We get to decide how do I use my religion to make me the best possible version? And there are people who can use religion to make more money. Yes, that is available in everything. I can open up a social entrepreneurship company and basically use it for my purpose. Meanwhile, I'm getting people to pay me money because they think they're doing it for a social cause. These things are present everywhere in every department of life, right? So the more we start realizing, I just want to be a good human. I really want to do what's best for everybody else around me. And I genuinely believe that we all are light. We all are love. We're all beings like, you know, I mean, just using a universal language, God is love. Mm -hmm. So if you are all about love, then technically God abides within you, right? I mean, I'm an engineer, A is equal to B, B is equal to C, A is equal to C, right? It's that simple, right? So if God is love, you are love, then God abides in you, you know? And so if we all focus on love, and by the way, this is why I love Wim Hof. I love Wim Hof so much. Because, I mean, in addition, I'm very grateful that I've had personal encounters with him. I've spent time with him. And what you see is what you get with this man, you know. And that also is something so is so admirable that in a lot of us, what you see is not what, you know, what you get is not what you see or what you see is not what you get, mm -hmm. you know. And he has been a part of my life when I was an atheist, when I was an agnostic, when I was a Sufi, and when I became a Catholic. And he loved me just the same. It didn't matter to him what I followed. What mattered to him was my heart. And he always said, Shireen, your heart is pure. It doesn't matter what you follow. You will only do pure things, right? So, you know, it's kind of like the rotten apple analogy, right? Like you can have a good apple and you have one rotten apple and you can spoil the entire basket of apples, you know? So anyway, that that's kind of like how the breath and whim and whim has been my teacher not only for breath, but also for life. And I'm kind of doing a spiritual direction course in Christianity. There's this thing called spiritual direction where if you want to know how to like strengthen your relationship with God, then you kind of through church or through your church community, you can get something called a spiritual director. And I'm doing a course on this. And it's really helped me because I've realized that even the way I talk, I would like to be more loving in the way I talk. I want to be more compassionate. It's never enough. You know, it's never enough. So I want to be more loving. And this has really helped me in becoming more um, in, in 
being able to show people that you, where you are, exactly where you are, you can do so much. You know, you don't have to, uh, oh, enroll into the next Wim Hof class or go to the next church or, you know, where you are, exactly who you are, you can do so much, you know, and that's where I think a lot of us, unfortunately, we feel I didn't get this. I didn't get that. So as a result, I'm not able to be the best possible version of myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I struggled with that for a long time, that imposter syndrome too, right? It's like, I feel like I had to have all the certifications, all this, that, and other thing to be able to like make any impact in the world. And then just something, I mean, last year I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus my energy on this podcast. Cause I just feel like having these conversations, even if it changes two people's lives or one person's life, you know, or, I mean, you know, I would hope that like millions of people one day hear it, you know, but, but it's, it's not the point, right. It's having these conversations and these conversations are like light my soul up as much as I, you know, hope that they are felt by people who listen to it and just, you know, it's that sharing of energy. And yeah, I think that's, that's, it's so beautiful. But yeah, I would, I would love for you to explain a little bit more about like Wim Hof, like what is it, what is the method, what does it do for you? What, you know, and how you teach it and and train people in it. For sure. So, um, I like to, so I'm, I'm certified in three techniques. Okay. I'm certified in Wim Hof method, Buteco and oxygen advantage. Okay. And I really, um, I cannot speak enough of all the three. Okay. They're all, um, incredibly powerful. Uh, but like I said, I have a personal relationship with Wim. And for that reason, my journey started with Wim. Uh, so for that reason, I'm a little biased. Mm-hmm. I, I have, um, I consider of all the techniques I teach, I would say Wim Hof, I would say Wim Hof is the king, you know, and then I have uh, Buteko, which is the queen, and then Auction Advantage, which is Jack, you know, but it doesn't mean that you need all three. Like you mm-hmm. need the, you, you can only have, a jack if you have a king and a queen, right? So I really, and it's kind of interesting, I put it that way because oxygen advantage is really the breathwork I use with athletes. Uh, people who are really, really trying to get to the next level, uh, trying to become professional athletes. Um, and so really oxygen advantage is really focused towards athletic performance enhancement. Buteco is really more to do with if you have any disorders in your body, right? So if you have asthma, COPD, um, Actually, Wim Hof is such a strong method that sometimes there are people who can't do the Wim Hof because it kind of gets them into a a mode of panic. Mm -hmm. Very rarely, but it does happen. So Buteco is a very easy way for me to approach them. And then once they get to a certain stage, then I can can introduce the Wim Hof, right? Wim Hof for me is the cream of the crop, right? It is uh, the method that essentially takes care of everything. It takes care of your athletic enhancement, it takes care of your anxiety, your panic attacks, your PD, PTSD, um, because it's really three pillars. You know, it's breath work, yes, but it's also cold exposure, which I am a complete um, admirer and believer of the impact cold does to a person. And of course, the third pillar, which believe it or not, is the one that most people don't talk about, which is the mindset. Right. And that ability for you to recognize that rain or shine, I got to do this every day. Right. So having that mindset, having that knowledge, knowing that nothing happens um, overnight, I have to keep doing this. And so I like the fact that the Wim Hof method is a holistic approach to um, to your entire well-being. And Wim always says it's about making 
uh, yourself happy, healthy, and strong. I love how he says, a happy person has want of nothing. You know, it's so true. Like I look at myself and there's actually nothing I want right now. I just desire, yes, my greatest desire is to consistently experience God within me. It's my greatest desire. And whenever I experience it, it's just, I just want it more and more and more. So that is a desire that I have. But in terms of materialism or materialistic wants, you know, there is really nothing that I want per se. And I'm blessed in many other ways. But when uh, I feel, are you familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm -hmm. So the Maslow's hierarchy of needs basically says that when you have the basic needs met, then you kind of go into emotional needs. And then when you are you have your emotional needs met, then you kind of go into your spiritual needs, right? So mm -hmm. it's like physical, emotional, spiritual. And I feel with Wim, doing the Wim Hof method, you can almost invert the pyramid, mm -hmm. right? Because it's almost like when you start feeding yourself in a way that you feel healthy and strong and your immune system is boosted, you don't have as many diseases, you don't have to think about a lot of things, you have a mind reset all the time. I call it flushing the mind. So it's like, imagine you go into your toilet, you do your business, and then you don't flush the toilet. Would you mm -hmm. want to enter that toilet again? Mm -hmm. I don't think so, right? So what the Wim Hof method is doing is it's flushing your mind every day, right? You're going in and you're basically, every day we go through things. Whenever people talk about trauma, people are always talking about something that happened to them when they were five years old or eight years old or 10 years old. Guess what? We're all going through trauma right here, right now. There are things happening to us where we feel unwanted, where we feel rejected. We're going through divorces. We're going through things that, you know, didn't happen to us at eight or 10, right? And we constantly go back to, oh, this is happening because, like, forget about the because. Let's just focus on what's happening today. So if I have an opportunity to flush my trauma out today, why not? Why don't I take that, right? So what I love about it is it's a daily, like I highly recommend people to do it daily. Doing it twice or thrice a week is better than doing it zero times a week, right? But bottom line, taking these three pillars, putting them together makes you a more holistic being. So it's not only about, Wim has 20, well, 26 before now, 25, 25 world records. He didn't get these, well, and I always tell people he didn't break world records. He set world records, which means he did 25 things, or at that time, 26, because one of his records was broken by the person who's stayed in ice for longer than he has. Mm -hmm. But he did 26 things that no other human has done, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I bring people's attention to. It's not about becoming a world record holder. It's about doing things in your life that no one else around you has done. It's about constantly challenging yourself to know what are you truly capable of? What can I do? Because most of us grow up and we become like the people around us, right? So what if I can be somebody that did something that nobody around me did? What would that look like, right? I'm the first American in my family, right? I'm the first Christian in my family. I'm the first, uh, I, if I end up going into the government and if I end up working for the state or if I end up working for USAID, I'll be the first person in my family to do this, right? I had no examples around me growing up. But that's what the Wim Hof Method helps you with, is that constant flushing out of the scripts that you have in your head. Every single day you wake up and you know, nobody can stop me. I am the only person who comes within myself. And so in my case, if God wills it for me, then I'm ready, God. You know, Isaiah 6, 8, here I am. 
whatever you want to send me out on, here I am, right? Having that attitude of adapting yourself, of knowing no matter what comes my way, I have the ability, I have the mental strength, the physical strength, and the emotional strength, right? Because these three things are what a lot of people are failing on right now, right? Whether it is because of COVID, just the fear, fear setting in, am I safe? How I'm going, I'm around people who don't have their masks on. What is going to happen to me? What happens if I get COVID? What happens to my parents? There's a lot of fear in our society today, right? And what is this fear leading to? More and more division. So whenever we do the Wim Hof Method, we have this ability to reset. Let me take, these thoughts are not coming from me. These thoughts are coming from outside of me. I want to now go within me. I want to be able to recognize within me, if I can enhance my self-knowledge of how my body works, of how my respiratory system works, my circulatory system works, my endocrine system works, my nervous system works. Happiness is about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. If I can get these four every day through doing the breath, through doing cold, wouldn't I want that? So that's, I, my I hope everybody wants to do the Wim Hof method. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think you've convinced me now. I was telling you when we first met, I, you know, I I've heard about it before and every single time I like get in the shower or I try and like turn it real cold. It's just like, it is, it, it, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? Like nobody, like, like you said, kids have no problem being in the cold, but as adults, we're just like, Oh, I don't want to be like cold. So how can we, if we're, if this is somebody's very first time hearing about this and they're just like fascinated because I am now I'm like, I'm literally going to, I start this because you've, you've convinced me, but so yeah. what can we do, um, just in, in every day? Like what, what is the, what do you recommend to be consistent on, you know, when it comes so, to breath work and yeah. cold so exposure? Number one thing is I would say, go to www.wimhoffmethod.com. Okay. That's the first thing. Wim has master modules. Okay. So you basically can get, um, a very quick understanding of what the breath does, what the ice does. And then um, also the third mindset. So you basically have these three very quick modules. I think each one is about 10 minutes each. So within 30 minutes, you already know how to do the method, right? Um, if that entices you, he has online modules that you can do. So if you get, uh, there are many packages and then there's an eight-week module or a 10-week module that you can do that basically helps you understand the method better. For people who are really interested, so like my personality has always been, I want to study from someone who knows what they're doing, right? So when I when I started the whole method, I actually didn't go online at all. I didn't even watch a single YouTube video of him. I immediately looked at where can I find a workshop and how can I find an instructor and how can I find this person to teach me? That was what I did, right? As soon as I went to the workshop and I was able to understand it in person, then I basically went deeper and deeper into it. And then before the year, I knew I was like, this is it. I want to go into this, right? So everybody's different. Everybody learns differently. If you're the kind of person who likes to explore things, look at YouTube videos, there's tons of information of this method. And then when you get to a place where, like I tell people, everybody likes to play soccer. But if you really want to get good at soccer, you get a soccer coach. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's like same thing with school, you know? You like math, great. But if you really want to learn and you want to go deeper, you enroll yourself into a program, right? So it's the same thing. Um, whenever anybody decides like, okay, this is amazing. I want to get to the next level. Then start looking for an instructor. So www.wimhoffmethod.com and there's an instructor page there. You can look up the instructors and it's all based on 
where you are in North America and you can go over all of the instructors. I always advise people to know more about your instructor. Always learn about your instructor, learn if it resonates with you or not, because each one, what makes the Wim Hof Method so beautiful is each one of us has come from a different path, right? So like in my case, I've had all of this stuff happen, right? Where I had um, sports was really where I came into it was I was, you know, wanting to go higher and I, I didn't want to take pills. And so I had this aversion towards taking pills if I didn't need it, you know, and also I wanted to enhance my athletic performance. So I came in through that, but through my journey, I've encountered people who are addicts. I've encountered people who have mental issues, uh, psych uh, psychiatric issues. So seeing the the kind of people that you're, trainer has trained or understanding what their background is in that will give you a better understanding and in today's world this is what i mean when i say in a way covid has become the best thing ever right because in today's world it doesn't matter where your instructor is right like you could technically get a, a session with whoever you want right so it doesn't matter anymore even if you're in new york like i have people coming for my workshops from detroit from new york because they look at my profile, it resonates with them and they want to come and do it, right? So when you are in that situation where you want to go deeper, look that up, go into the instructor list and then start following these people. You know, everybody's on social media now, you know, look at the kind of posts that they're posting. Are they more in line with what you're thinking, you know? So um, that would be how they go. Now, if you are like, okay, I want to do this. Like I said, the master module will cover it. It's you it can be anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes in a day. You wake up in the morning, do it first thing in the morning if you can, or treat it like a workout. So do it on an empty stomach. And um, the cold shower, you have to take a shower every day. I hope, right? You're taking a shower mm -hmm. every day, if not every other day. And so even if you're thinking, I cannot do this shower, just end on the cold. Just end and count to 10 seconds in your mind, right? And I always say, start with letting it drop on the nape of your neck. Right. So let it drop on the nape of your neck and yeah, but you're away from the water. Right. So you will get that jerk, but then kind of like reduce the breathing to the point that you are in control of your breathing and just count 10 in your mind from 10, go to 15, from 15, go to 20, from 20, go to one minute. So that's how you build up. So, so essentially it is kind of bringing you into like a meditative state while you're uncomfortable and your whole body is like trying to fight so, the cold. Bingo. Okay. You said it. I didn't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, it's kind of funny. Uh, people ask me, are you a meditation teacher? You know, mm. and it's kind of like, you can't not meditate when you're doing this method. Period. It's like, it's almost like a byproduct. So it's the easiest way for people who say, I can't meditate. Nothing has worked for me. Meditation doesn't cut it for me. This is the easiest way to get into that space as well because when you start recognizing that you are one with the cold or you are essentially in this uncomfortable period but you are focusing on your breath you kind of have to start becoming so it's really an act of becoming present that's what I like to call it right you become present with whatever it is that you're going through so as a teacher and like I said I can't speak for all the Wim Hof Method instructors but as a teacher I am totally against telling people, go into the ice and put your mind somewhere else, mm. right? That's not the point, right? I mean, I love, and by the way, another thing that can intrigue people's minds are watching podcasts, uh, Wim has done with, done with Jordan Peterson. Uh, Wim has done podcasts with um, 
Lewis House, which is where I originally heard him. Was, okay, excellent, yeah. excellent. And I'm just trying to remember this famous actor. He's British and he seemed to have got, but anyway, he did mm. um, uh, on Netflix, he did an episode uh, with Gwyneth Paltrow right? Okay. Uh, the Goop Lab. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like all of these things are also ways to see his work in a, in a way that you, like a lot of people are influenced by influencers. Mm-hmm. And when the influencers are influenced by whim, that kind of increases their recognition of like, yeah, this guy's for real, you know? So um, recognizing that when you're cold, it's because the ice is cold. <laughs> I'm not asking you to get away from it. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you, to experience the cold, right? It's something like, what did I just say when we first started it? As a society, we don't want to go towards things that makes us uncomfortable. When somebody says something that makes us feel uncomfortable, we feel like getting up and leaving. Guess what? When you go into the ice, when you go into the cold, when you're in that cold shower, you every single part of you is going to want to not be in the cold, right? Mm-hmm. So you being in that cold is recognizing I am cold, I recognize it's cold, but guess what? I'm doing this because this is good for my circulatory system. I'm doing this because I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I'm doing this because I'm going to get over my anxiety. I'm doing this because this is good for my skin and my hair. I'm doing this because this is the best gift I can give myself. And when you change your relationship to not looking as the cold as something that's punishing you, but as cold as a teacher, that the cold is actually helping me becoming a more resilient person. Like we say, a a cold shower a day keeps the doctor away, right? Like my immune system is getting boosted. My hair, like after I started doing the method, my hair is thicker. My All my acne went away. I used to have intense pain uh, from my periods. All of that's gone away. Like every month I couldn't do anything for two to three days in a month. What is America's or most people's solution to it? Birth control pills. I don't agree. That is not a solution, right? But when I started doing the Wim Hof method, my pain went away. Right. So this is what the method has given me. It has given me a complete reduction of things that I never even thought about because I have lived with the pain for so many years. For every month from the age of 12, I've had to deal with just working my entire schedule around these days when I would get my period. And now I don't even think about it. I just go around my, I do workshops. I, 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 I've done workshops when I've started doing a workshop, go during my break, found out, oh, I stained my underwear and oh yeah, that's fine. I got my period. I go back and I start teaching again. I started crying the first day I could do that because for a person like me, where I used to have to plan my entire life around this, I don't even have that to think about anymore. Mm -hmm. So the more I'm able to take care of my inner being, my body, my pains, I have more and more time to devote to others, to be able to be compassionate, to be able to be gentle to others because I have more brain capacity. I have more emotional capacity. I have more capacity period to be a better human. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. As you're talking about, you know, that discomfort of getting in the cold. And for me, it, it, it kind of like resonates or it makes me think about like, cause I love to run and running is not for everybody and that's fine, but running, you know, I think a lot of people think like, like, meditation is, is leaving the mind, right? It's like not being present, but I think in, in order, I think that's a possibility, but in order to get there, you have to be so much in your body, right? You have to go through that first and we want to avoid it, right? Whether it's avoiding the cold or whether, you know, like for running, I love it because I'm so much in my body when I'm pushing myself, like 
there's nowhere else my mind can be. I can't be yeah. worried about tomorrow. I can't be worried about yesterday. I'm exactly, exactly. So yeah. there's, a, there's a term for this now. Uh, what you're talking about is being in the flow state, mm. right? So that's what people now call as the flow state, which mm -hmm. is you're in such a flow in what is happening right now that you're not concerned with anything else. You're yeah. giving your entire mind, body, and soul into the current thing mm -hmm. that you're doing. So you're consistently in this flow state. And I believe a human can be in flow state all the time. Mm -hmm. When you start mastering your breath, you're breathing all the time. So mm -hmm. if you're consistently in touch with your breath all the time, you're in flow state all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, truly like now, because I'm Christian, everything has an element of God in it. Like truly being one with God all the time is being in flow state all the time. Mm -hmm. period, right. Mm -hmm. Having that oneness with knowing what Jesus would do in this moment, knowing how Jesus would behave. I can't even envision Jesus being a person who's talking to someone and scrolling on his phone. Yeah. I just, that's not the person I'm envisioning. Mm -hmm. Right. I cannot envision a person who is, you know, looking at it, talking to somebody and thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. Th that is not who Jesus was for me. Mm -hmm. Jesus was in flow state all the time. Right. So I believe that we can all achieve this. We can all be in flow state all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I tell my kids when we, when religion comes up or God or Jesus or anything like that, it's like, and kind of like to what a lot of what we spoke to today, Jesus didn't sit and hang out with people who are already religious. Do you know what I mean? He went to the sick. He went to the criminals. He went to yeah. the sinners. He went to the people who needed that message. The tax collectors and the prostitutes. Yeah, right? with like, no expectation, yeah. right? Yeah. It was just to, to, to show love and to be an example of that. And I tell my kids that all the time, you know, I'm just like, just try and if you can do nothing else, right? Just try and embody that and just listen to people and, you know, mm -hmm. and in every respect and, you know, and, and know that, you know, I just, I want them to be empowered to be themselves. And I feel like for me growing up, I, I, I was just always felt wrong in so many ways. And anyway, that's a whole other thing, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think. No, no. And you know, that's what makes your journey so powerful. And this is why I realized, you know, Rochelle, you're a beautiful girl. Like I felt it as soon as I saw you, it was immediate. I sat down, I started talking to you. Right. But beauty, you know, like if you look at a diamond, what is diamond exactly? Diamond mm. is carbon under pressure. Carbon is ugly. It's black. It's dark. You put a, a gazillion amount, like so much pressure on top of carbon for it to become and, and have the correct, uh, all of the right environment for that carbon to become diamond. And then even when it becomes diamond, you still have to mine it, right? You get it. And then somebody has to find you and basically start chipping you and getting those facets, right? And so when you see beauty in a person, what I see is a diamond that has had facets, whether it was through the whether jobs you did, whether it was all these encounters that you've had in your life, there were people that you met that basically created those faces for you to shine that light from within you, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I always say, like beauty is, is like a diamond. Like it takes a certain kind of person to first notice it, right? Like I saw it. As soon as I saw you, I knew it. You're a beautiful person, right? But recognizing that you probably have gone through a lot in your life and that is what you're giving to your children too, right? Mm -hmm. Is you are one of those people who's building that that side or that facet in your child as well. So I'm excited for your children. Honestly, <laughs> I can't wait to meet them yeah. in like 15 years, right? And see what they're doing uh, for society. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And my, my daughter is struggling right now. And I try and remember that. I'm like, you know, it wasn't always easy for me, right? We have to go through these things. And I think as a parent, you want to just like make it all better and like everything's going to be fine, but she's going to have to go through these experiences. And I feel like the best job I can have, the best thing I can do is just support her and empower her at home that she can come home and whether it's crying on me or like just express these things that are happening to her and be her, her support and her guide in whatever way I can. But I mean, she's at the age where she's just wants nothing to do with me. She's in a room. She doesn't listen to me. You know what I mean? But I, I just have to, I trust that, you know, this is exactly where she's meant to be learning what she's meant to be learning. Um, and I can't, I can't worry about it, you know, because nobody's life is easy, right? We're all going to experience things, whether no matter how much our parents try and protect us, you know, it's still going to happen. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, and yeah, I think it's also, you know, things that, are uncomfortable, whether it's breath work or cold baths or talking to somebody who has a different viewpoint of you, everything that triggers you or is uncomfortable is showing you something to be seen about yourself. And so many of us don't ask, what is this saying about me? Like you said, we're victims. Instead, we're just like, well, you're wrong. Get out of here. I'm done. Instead of being like, wow, that was really uncomfortable for me. What was that about? And I feel like now that I'm older, I've gotten to a practice of when I feel uncomfortable, when I feel triggered, I don't, I try not to react in the moment and I come back and I journal about it. I'm like, what was that? Because that wouldn't have come up if there was something inside of me that was not unhealed, you know, like that's showing me something. So yeah, I think it's really important to have conversations and even the podcast, like I don't expect everybody to come on here and I'm going to agree with you. Right. But it's, it's, it's having that conversation and working to understand where you're coming from. And then sharing that with, with, you know, the listeners who somebody's going to resonate with everything that, you know what I mean? Like True. there's something in here for everybody. And that's my goal with this podcast. And Beautiful. yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Thank you for having me. I really, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. And and if you want to let the listeners know like where they can find you or how they can work yes. with you, I'll link everything in the show notes, but yeah, if you want to just let them know. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my, my name is Shireen Youssef. So it's easy to find me on Instagram. It's just Shireen Youssef. Um, I have a website to just kind of see what I'm doing, but really, um, you know, I'll send you my email. It's info at sura-prem.com. But this is what I do. I basically, I'm a human performance coach, which basically means no matter who you are, I look for ways by getting to know you better through the tools of breath, ice, and movement, and not just physical movement, out, just outer movement, but inner movement too, to help you become the best version of yourself, right? So it's a little different from, you know, being a financial coach or, you know, I genuinely believe that when a person, it's like getting a car ready to travel. And once the car is ready, then where you go will be between, you know, whatever you want to say, whether if you believe in God, then God will put that into your heart. And then you will have the zeal to move forward and go in that direction. But I feel like my job is to get your car to make sure that the tires are all aired correctly. There's water in the radiator, the engine's working fine, the fuel's correct. And so getting your body and your mind to be in a place where you are in a flow state no matter what you're doing, right? It's not about changing you or changing your entire life to get you there, to help you recognize that you can get there right here, right now. So that's that's what I do. So you can find me um, through my Instagram, which is Shireen, at Shireen Yusuf. On Facebook, I'm at, at Breath Conductor. Uh, the name is Surapreme Studio. Uh, but really, I, because of the amount of travel now, so I've, I've been doing a lot of traveling and I teach more one-on-ones and I teach a lot of companies now. 
So uh, I do more personal work now. So it wouldn't be more of studio work at the moment. It's more of personal work. So that's definitely the transition I'm working on right now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shireen. I mean, what you do is powerful. This conversation has been powerful and I'm excited to continue to follow you and see your journey and just the impact you're having on people because I truly believe this thing, you know, this stuff like changed lives. So yeah, thank you so much for being on here. And and thank you for doing this too, because I know this is how you're going to change people's Mm. lives too. So Thank you. And I'm going to take a cold shower in the next 24 hours. I will let you know when I do it because I'm like... I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Okay.